0: to ride on a boat, boat, boat. I want to ride on a goat, goat, goat. Middle C's my favorite note, note, note. I'm on a cat that floats, floats, floats. I'm gonna go pee. Sorry.
1: Welcome back to Flooping the Pig. Um Brad Groon here with Justin Houston and Kevin Ford. What's up, Kevin?
2: Hello. We're finishing season nine today.
1: We are. Thank you for saying that. And Justin, what's up with you?
0: Nothing much. We're finishing season nine today. I didn't have anything.
1: That's all fine. Let's talk about the episodes in season nine, starting with what? Abstract? Starting with abstract. So we finished the
2: elemental series last time, and that ended with Jake being turned into this big five eyed vampire creature similar to the five-eyed vampire creature we saw in Joshua and Margaret investigations. And he's still that in this episode, except for he's also now blue and, uh, he can spout vampire rings, which you hadn't seen before. He is in denial that he's changed, not on the outside. He's okay with these changes, but trying to convince BMO and Finn that he's the same person inside. He actually has some drinks with dirt beer guy who, of course, had his own changes, who he doesn't even realize he's talking to Jakey's changed so much. As well as Lady Rainicorn. Uh, she's using her horn to change Jake's color back to yellow, but it always reverts back to blue. Uh, and at night he dreams about meeting the real five-eyed monster at the center of a maze where there's also like tacos and signs with tacos on them. And Germaine and his dad also pop up in his dream. His dad's playing with yo-yos. But the thing that really sticks with him even after he wakes up is that Jermaine is painting a mountain in an abstract style of painting, and it sticks with him because it's so out of character for Jermaine. And he's like, this is just so out of character for him. I can't even accept it. And he recognizes that the mountain that he was painting in the dream is something that he saw in a postcard in their house. So he actually goes to the mountain himself, uh, and in the meantime, he finds uh, all James, every James, the Jameses, uh, take your pick as he's uh, going to the mountain and he actually finds an abstract painting from Jermaine in the James's house continues forward, finds Jermaine in this art studio that's hidden behind a literal wall of water. He has to uh, slap Bryce to get to Jermaine and Jake learns that Jermaine is in fact now into abstract art. And uh, Jake has a hard time accepting that this is a change that Jermaine made himself thinking that he's like possessed or something evil's making him do it. Uh, and he begins to get frustrated when Jermaine suggests that Jake's also changed. Uh, but he does end up making Jake feel better, saying, you know, just because I have this new interest in abstract art and paintings, it doesn't mean it's erased my old interest or any of those old things I did. It's just now a new part of me. And uh, we have this scene where Jake's like surrounded by a bunch of these abstract paintings and he's talking out loud and he really comes to terms with the fact that even if you do change, you are who you are deep down inside, and this revelation really causes him to return to his normal self, and he doesn't even realize he's returned to his normal self till he uh, walks back home and sees Finn, who alerts him of the change. Uh, fun little episode and message whipped in there. Uh, I kind of found it interesting, though, that Jake was just this uh, w- vampire creature for one episode after being turned into at the end of this miniseries. What did you think about it, Justin?
0: Yeah, I assume, I always assume that a change like that, they don't um, continue for very long. Not just for like artistic purposes, but just plotting episode purposes. But then Adventure Time actually does a pretty good job of that, with the, the ever-changing like swapping of swords for Finn, being a good example of that, uh, to sort of keep continuity and keep changing that. Um, I really like this episode. I'm always a fan when Adventure Time goes at walking speed. I feel like that's where the, the speed that I like Adventure Time the most, where it's just you get to sort of ruminate in this very colorful, gorgeous world with amazing background panels. Sometimes I'm almost annoyed we leave an area too quickly because you don't get to sort of look at all the, and appreciate all the little details uh, that they put in. Um, this had a lot going for it. Uh, James showed up, one of my absolute favorites. I'm always happy to see uh, dumb old James. Um, And uh, it it had a good message. Um, It was interesting that it sort of um, the realization that everything changes caused him to sort of turn back to his what he sees as his normal form, almost like uh, he wasn't confronting the strange thing. So the strange thing, the the, the, the change persisted and he couldn't really control it until he accepted it. And then it, it just got folded into who he was. So what it, what it told me at the time, and it ended up being correct, is that whatever comes, whatever, whenever the time comes that Jake is meant to face this new reality, he, he should be ready for it. He is ready to understand this uh, some some part of himself. Um, so I I liked it. I think it accomplished a lot. I, I liked the tone of it. What did you think, Brett? I also
1: was kind of surprised not even just surprised. I remember when I watched this the first time, I was mad that Jake turned back uh, into a yellow dog at the end of the episode. But I sh- really shouldn't have been because I wish I had. I just wish I had more faith in the show after the Finn arm thing because I'm, su- I'm sure you guys remember we were all kind of mad that shortly after Finn lost his arm, um, he got it back thanks to Breezy, um, and it seemed like that storyline was over. But of course it wasn't, and he lost it again. Um, and that stuck through the rest of the, through the show and all those visions that, that, um, he'd had of, of being one armed rang true and he's one armed for the rest of his life. Um, so I, 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 do wish that I had just had more faith in the show because as Justin just mentioned, Jake does have to face this eventually. It wasn't just dropped. Um, I like that the lack of knowledge about crabs continues and BMO thinks Jake is a crab and freaks out. Um, I like that I can spot Graham Falk episodes and Tom Herpich episodes now just by the sight of them. And of and of course, the also as Justin mentioned, this one moves slowly. Um and most Graham Falk episodes do. And the animation in the dream especially was like very Graham Falkian. Um I was not expecting the every James cameo. That's my I, I it's funny, Kevin, that you mentioned all those different names for James, because I, I guess his official name is James's and I didn't know that and because he called himself every James when he first appeared. So that's that's what I'm always going to call him. Um, I appreciated th- that the wall of water was actually a wall of water and not a waterfall. I thought that little that little exchange between James and, and uh, Jake was, was pretty funny. Um, and I'm also glad that the wall of water was not as gross as the wall of flesh.
2: I did appreciate that James also had all the medals that he had won still hanging up in his home.
1: Yeah. So. Yeah, I, those are like little attentions, those little... Detail points are interesting. And actually later on, I think it's in the episode I don't remember if there's in Whispers or Three Buckets, but there's like a dark a dark thing in the background. Maybe it's three buckets. Um maybe it's whispers. I don't know. We'll see. But I want to ask you guys what you think about it when we get to there. But yeah, um I, I like this um much more than I like most Graham Falk episodes. It's funny because like aside from Orgalorg, all his episodes are real slow. Um and this one's slow too, and and kind of ponderous, but ponderous in uh, you know, I don't mean that in a negative way, just in a way that you know, you're really meant to, to think it out. I feel like we were on like a weird
2: string of between the two last mini series and this like a lot of outside the box episodes, a lot of dream episodes, things like that. It feels like we had a lot of them in a short period of time.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and more to come. Right. All right. So episode number two of this episode, uh, ketchup spelled like the condiment. Somehow, Bimo had just heard about all the vampires invading Ooh and came to Marceline's home, dressed up, ready to help vanquish them. And uh, he's ready to go leave when Marceline tells him uh, that's already been taken care of. But actually, she has this old USB drive she could use Bimo's help in recovering. And he plugs it into himself, and it's going to take a real long time, so Marceline says we can catch up with each other. Bimo mistakes that for thinking it is the condiment, but she just means to have a little chat and uh, actually catch up. She asks about their recent boat trip that he took with Finn and Jake, and BMO's point of view is way different than what we saw, as it involves like this big cat island named Ted, a very noisy blue jay, and some floating boats in the clouds. And then Marceline decides to use puppets to tell Bimo the story of a uh, patient St. Pym's takeover of the Candy Kingdom using different character names and a, a slightly modified premise. And in the story, Marceline uses music to threaten patients into giving her the antidote to fix Princess Bubblegum's quote unquote potato curse that made her so large into this mountainous shape. But it actually ends up sending Marceline exploding into stardust and not saving her after all. Uh, Bimo actually calls her out for not being emotionally truthful in her story, and she admits that maybe there's some emotional stuff I'm not ready to talk about because I haven't talked about it with myself. And just at this time, Bimo finishes downloading her USB, and on it is a slideshow where we see a young Marceline with a woman who's very obviously her mother, and she actually has Bimo make up a story about the little girl and the woman in the in the the slideshow that they're seeing. And he tells her a story about the woman who's a moon lady and the child and their friendship. Uh, And Marceline tears up at the story saying it reminds her of a story she heard a long, long time ago. Uh, I always kind of like these one episodes that it's like um, just like a a semi-unusual pairing like this with BMO and Marceline. So I thought this was a a cute, sweet episode. What do you think about it, Brad?
1: There's a lot going on here. And um, it's, you know, it's a guest animated episode, but it's canonical. It's, it's done by the, the same people who did Beyond the Grotto, uh, Alex Butera and Lindsay Small, who did Batman and Um And I, I just think this is so much better than Beyond the Grotto, um, in large part because of what you mentioned, Kevin, that it's a, it's a fun pairing between Bimo and Marceline. Even though in the beginning of the episode, Bimo's scale seems kind of messed up, he seems too wide. Like when Marceline lifts him up, he seems huge in her hands, which I thought was like a weird technical issue that we don't usually get. But yeah, I thought for one thing, just the squiggle vision part of the episode when BMO was remembering or misremembering rather his time on the boat. I thought that was way more beautiful than the than what they put together for Beyond the Grotto. There's a weird thing. I don't know if you guys noticed. First off, Justin, I think you once told me that you don't like regular show, correct? Yes. Right. So I've never watched it. I mean, I've seen like maybe an episode here or there, but I've never haven't spent much time watching it. But um, this is a crossover episode with Regular Show. Um, there, there's a Blue Jay in who, who BMO remembers in his dream, and it comes and squawks at them. And the Blue Jay has the voice of J, J.G. Quintel, who's the creator of Regular Show, and also voices Mordecai the Blue Jay on Regular Show. So, I mean, there's probably a lot we could do talking about, like, is it possible that BMO existed on Earth at a time when Regular Show was real? I don't think it's worth it since you don't like the show and I've, I have do not watch it. And Kevin, I imagine you don't watch it either.
2: Um, that is correct. Right.
1: Um, but I just thought that was like an interesting little Easter egg. Marceline's song, like in her memory where she talks about having to go pee made me laugh. I think I'm going to make that the, the top of the show, the intro to the show this week. And I like the backstory. I liked like getting that little bit of information about what happened when Finn and Jake and Susan and Bimo were all away. Um, and I thought it was interesting that Marceline kind of did this selfish thing where she well, maybe she didn't like maybe patient St. Penn was lying and maybe it wasn't a real antidote. But it was interesting to me that rather than I think it's meant to be romantic, but rather than take the antidote herself and maybe help Finn and Jake when they get back, she chooses to just let herself be taken by it's in, obviously it really was a candy curse, not a potato curse. And just sort of, like, let that happen to her, which I, I don't know. I thought, in a way, it's kind of selfish. In a way, it's kind of romantic. But the thing I like the most about this episode, and I guess technically it's something that I should have picked up on in um, in uh, Stakes when we meet Marceline's mom for the first time, is that Marceline's mom is black. Which means that Marceline is mixed race or mixed species, technically, but, like, that she's – her human form is black. And it's cool because there's not any – I think maybe – frida in um islands was black but there's not any like real you know black representation on the show because finn's the only real human and he's white so i just thought that was cool that like all along marceline's actually been black and olivia olsen who voices her is mixed race so i've seen on twitter that olivia olsen has posted like mixed race problems when talking about marceline's parents um so i just think it's like a neat little thing to put in there and it's like a nice bit of representation what do you think justin
0: yeah i agree uh seeing representation like that in, in, even in a show like this, where there's not like, um, you know, it's mostly like magical creatures and, and stuff like that. There isn't a ton of opportunity but always, you know um, where you can get it. Uh, it's, it's important. Um, I, yeah, I like this one a lot as well. Uh, I think it was the, 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 the varying types of animation um, made it really interesting and getting that Like, I think a a very needed missing piece uh, of the the puzzle for uh, what happened with elements was also really satisfying. And I like that it came from Marceline's perspective. And I think what she did is very, um, is very Marceline, uh, sort of selfish. But in her eyes, maybe there's a like, like selfish and romantic uh, is, is maybe the way uh, she sees her relationship on some level with, uh, with bubblegum. But I think just in that moment, she just thought, maybe she just thought I- I'm not going to be able to solve this myself. Um, and this other person is too far gone. It's not going to work on them. So I'd rather be, uh, I'd rather be like them than be, you know, than be separated or, or be maybe just felt hopeless. I don't know. But I, I, I very much took it as a, She felt her only options were to take the antidote and then, I don't know what, leave, fight. There was just a hopelessness to it or give in because that meant she still got to be close to uh, her, you know, her favorite person. So um, I thought that Bart was sweet. I thought Emo's (laughs) retelling of everything was um, was great and ridiculous. And yes, when the Blue Jay showed up, uh, I. Every time the Blue Jay shows up, I'm like, no, because I, I don't want them to go any further than just a big Blue Jay and a voice that that sounds like uh, the character from Regular Show, because I I can't stand that show. So I'm always panicked that I've I've somehow uh, forgotten that there was a, like a more direct crossover that these characters show up and um, start being terrible in another animated uh, show. So for that reason, when the Blue Jay just flies off, I'm always really relieved and the episode is, is it's all down you know, it's all uh, it's all gravy from there <laughs> to me. Um, so yeah, I, I liked it. No, probably not as much as the, the previous episode, but um, Kev, what did you think?
2: Yeah, like I said, it was it was a lot of fun and I thought the uh, I, I was prepared for a really romantic story with bubblegum and Marceline and I like the the, the kind of a twist they took. And I like, uh, like Brad said, uh, it could be interpreted one way or the other. And uh, nice seeing Marceline's mom again uh, It felt like it had been a little bit since we saw her. Um, Cause you know, she's not, I mean, she's at the beginning of the movie and then she's her marshmallow self in the other one, but it feels like it's just been a long time since we got to see that character. So I was happy to spend time with, with her and actually get to catch up with her and what went on and hear from her perspective. Uh, and yeah, just a, a funny, fun episode overall, uh, even if you don't look into it too deeply. So I always appreciate that as well.
1: I think I can square the crossover. I think I can square it because maybe, may, you know what, let's wait until we talk about Fiona and Cake and Fiona. Because it's actually, it's something in Fiona and Cake and Fiona that helps me understand more why the Blue Jay sounded like Mordecai.
2: Well, let's talk about it right now. So I actually really love the beginning of this episode where Finn, Jake, and BMO are having like so much fun rafting, fighting these creatures coming out of the water that transform into whatever you think they are. And they're interrupted by BMO's alarm alerting them that they have to stop their really fun time to go to a super boring reading by Ice King at the library they really don't want to go to. And during this uh, reading, the real Fiona question mark? shows up with a VHS tape to show Ice King, hey, your stories are wrong. This is what really happened to myself and Cake. And the tape that she brings them shows her and Cake finding a green jeweled coffin. And it's worth mentioning that the real Fiona is older now and this tape is her as we've seen her across all the other Fiona and Cake episodes that age. So in this tape, her and Cake are finding this green jeweled coffin and bringing it back to the treehouse house. And a bandaged wrapped hand is just coming out of the coffin when she stops and injects the tape. Uh, she's convinced to play it a little bit more, and we see that inside the coffin's a mummy. And she then takes out the tape again because she's worried about wearing the tape out. It's her only copy. Uh, and Ice King convinces Viona to come stay at the Ice Kingdom, which apparently is an upgrade since she says she lives in a literal dump. Uh, and back at the – you see she's really making herself at home in the Ice Kingdom and also isn't comfortable – telling Ice King the story of why Cake isn't around anymore. She shows Ice King some more of the VHS tape where uh, the mummy ultimately tricks Fiona and Cake into getting her some black coffee and muffins from the Breakfast Kingdom. Very obvious it isn't a real mummy. And when she goes to bed, Ice King takes the tape away and watches the rest of it. And uh, they discover, Fiona and Cake do, that the mummy is the Queen of Ooh who uh, pretended to be a mummy to steal their treasure. And she says that this is teaching you a lesson to never invite a stranger into your house, no matter who, how cool they seem. So you're welcome. Uh, and then he discovers that Fiona is no longer sleeping on the couch. And in fact, she's looking through Ice King's tapes. Uh, and we learn that it's not Fiona, of course. It's an old lady who put on this disguise to gain confidence. We get a flashback to her home where one day she intercepted a video signal of Fiona and cake. And this really mesmerized her. And she was spending all this time to try to find more Fiona and Cake tapes. So she hatched a plan to dress herself up as Fiona and w- was on this search. And she finally discovered that, uh, uh, like a you know piece of paper advertising Ice King's reading on a tree. And she said, Ah, all right, I'll go to the the, the library and I'll I'll figure out how to steal the tapes when I get there. And Ice King. Made her realize, though, that she's no better than the mummy in the story who tried to make themselves at home and steal from them. Uh, And Ice King goes to sleep. And uh, back at the library, someone asked him how he gets his ideas. And he says, well, the ideas are streamed to me as I'm sleeping in my brain like everybody else. And at the end of the episode, we see that is true. These ideas are apparently being streamed into his head overnight as he sleeps. So. Definitely one of the more interesting Fiona and Cake episodes, switching it up from the typical uh, manner in which we see them. What did you think of the episode, Justin?
0: I didn't realize it, I don't think, fully until hearing your recap of it. I did not like this episode very much. <laughs> um, I, I, it's a one that gets – I feel like it gets worse as it goes. Um, I, I don't – I didn't really – it's just kind of sad. Like the whole episode, it's slightly pathetic. And sad, and it, um, I don't know, it it, and it made, and the ending is interesting. I can't remember if they go anywhere with it. I'll I'll leave that to Brad to sort of uh mention that, but uh, I, I just, I'm, it doesn't, uh, I don't know, I didn't, I didn't enjoy it. I did not enjoy uh, this sort of at first the sad version of Fiona and then not Fiona, and so we're getting this sort of tape Fiona and Cake, but now Fiona and Cake either don't exist or uh you know um or, or they do exist and they're I, I don't remember how this ends up being resolved but i just did not enjoy this episode like i didn't think it was i just think it was i think it was very good it wasn't funny or um interesting or it was just very there and i uh i i, I don't know brad what, what did you think
1: i think it might be show-breaking
0: Or it might not be.
1: So I don't know. Okay, so first things first. I think there are some funny things in the episode, but they all happen very early on. So I think the way Justin sort of interpreted the show is fair. Because the banana card is like dropping crazy comedy at the beginning of the episode. Um, Like asking what format the videotape is in. Wondering who's filming all the stuff they're seeing. These are great questions that are breaking tropes in television. And I'm so happy that there was some of that in here. So but, yeah, it, it, it stops being funny after that, unless, you know, I mean, everything Ice King says is funny inherently, but nothing special. But the episode just raises a ton of questions that I don't know that you can answer. So I, I thought about this a little bit. Um, so did was Fiona and Cake a television show during regular Earth time? Okay, let's say yes. Let's say yes, it was because that's sort of what it seems like is happening. That it like is bouncing off satellites and being beamed into Ice King's brain. Okay, so then what else is happening? Why do Finn and Jake follow in the footsteps? Why are there gender-swapped versions of everything? Well, there's I, I thought of two possible possible reasons. One is maybe Finn and Jake and maybe even everyone else has also sort of had these ideas beamed into their brain at night, and they're sort of acting out this life that they or these personas that they I, w- I won't say grew up watching but were forced into receiving and it kind of you know fits into the way that you know we as a, as a as pop culture now deal with nostalgia like we are three adult men doing an adventure time podcast so maybe that that's just like the next evolution of that there or I thought something else maybe um Without saying too much about the finale before we get to it, there are two characters in the finale from the future who are very similar to Finn and Jake. And maybe that these two tropes, like, we know that reincarnation is a thing in Adventure Time. You know, Finn has been a butterfly and a comet and slime or whatever else. So maybe these are, like, two archetypes that are just reincarnated over time, over and over again. Um, And in the, you know, Earth Time or whenever the Fiona and Cake television show, quote-unquote came out, maybe the incarnation then was just an idea for a television show. And now then it became two people and then it became two different people. So I think either way that works. But the reason I like that this, uh, this sort of conceit exists now is it gave me a reason for the regular show thing to work because maybe regular show as a show that existed and got beamed off satellites was beamed into Bemo's CPU. And so he had this image of a blue jay, coming and squawking at them in his memory that wasn't really there because it's just like in his mind because it was beamed to him when he sleeps or rests or whatever. Um, so those are my thoughts. What do you think, Kev?
2: Yeah, I agree that it definitely was more strong at the beginning than the end because I kind of like the idea that Ice King uh, – well, I don't know. I guess the reveal of who Fiona was was just whatever. Like I didn't, I didn't really care. But I liked a lot of the other elements of the episode and the idea of these ideas being beamed into people's minds and things like that. And there were some real great laughs. Like I said, that rafting stuff at the beginning being interrupted and they were so upset that they had to go see Ice King Reed was, was fantastic. Um, so, yeah, just – I and I also do appreciate that they kind of changed up the Fiona and Cake template because at this point I wasn't all that interested in seeing yet another Fiona Cake episode. Uh, But, you know, I like that they kind of did one with the the bulls of Fiona and Cake. So I was I was interested to see what they would do this time around, because it does seem like they realized, all right, we can't just do a gender swapped episode without kind of something going on. Um, And I don't know if this was the exact best way to do it, but it was interesting enough where I didn't I didn't hate it or anything.
0: I have another theory about the uh, Fiona and Cake thing, but it it would mean that the regular show theory wouldn't work as well. And I won't, I'm not going to spell it out because I don't want to go into too much detail, about where where we're going just, just for spoiler sake for anyone that's listening to this and not, and going through the show is, uh, you know, for the first time, um, uh, Fiona and cake are in a, are in like a separate, um, dimension or, or reality. Um, the, the red, The beam that hits Ice King is red. Ah, gold. Sure, that that works too. I I can certainly expound on it more than that. Um, but uh, if I had if there was some if like if tomorrow they said you need we want a Fiona and Cake, what would you write? It would be that their world is collapsing and they want to send a message to another world um to try to get help and they use gold to do it and it ends up they're like okay well let's whoever the most powerful and it ends up locking the crown or something like something like that i could see that as a fleshed out explanation for what's um for what's occurred but um yeah other than that i mean do they they don't tell us do they not unless one
1: of these hbo shows is about fiona and cake this is the last time we have an episode of that really
0: talks about them at all wow Okay, so we're just left up to our own conjecture, I guess. <laughs> yeah, but
1: I, I like all of our conjectures. I think they're good. Yeah. Let's talk about whispers.
2: My conjectures are the best. Uh, whispers. Uh, Fern is real upset because he let Ooh get cursed while Finn was gone. He doesn't think hey, he can do you're anything. speaking
0: a little loud. Can you, you know, keep it down a little bit? Like, for the whole review? What? I uh, Could you lower your voice to a... What's a word for like a soft talking?
2: Oh, like a like a whisper?
0: Yeah. Would you mind? Fern is upset with himself
2: for letting. I can't do this. Uh. <laughs> so okay. Uh. Finn's trying to encourage Fern for being upset. He says, "You know, you learn from all your dinks." That's their word for mistakes, and that those lessons kind of make you who you are. And then Sweep he comes running out of the woods, and because he's monstrous, it's a it's like a it's a like trampling through the woods they uh, they follow along with him or you know by grabbing onto his leg and being carried by him and they calm him down in Finn's way of library style which is a better tactic than Fern's idea of cutting his tendon on his leg uh, so just more examples of Finn having these better ideas that work and for Fern they don't work as well and he gets upset about them and sweet Peas telling them that he has the this monster that whispers bad thoughts to him at night, and he only has one dream anymore, and uh, it's, we see the Lich's face when he says that. And he says that the voice tells him that he's bad and always will be bad, and uh, Finn decides, all right, I'm going to tell Tree Trunks that we have Sweet Pea, and we're just going to rest in the forest in the night. So the noise wakes them up, and at first they see Mr. Fox, but then we see the Lich's hands. The one that they cut back off all the way in crossover, which you both point out at the time, was going to be something we would see again. So kudos for that. Uh, And it's on top of Sweet Pea, and the hand is speaking to them in the Lich's voice saying that Sweet Pea's vessel will allow for the Lich to reign once more. Finn tells Fern to watch after Sweet Pea, which Fern doesn't feel very comfortable about, doesn't feel confident in himself, as Finn goes and chases after the Lich hand. And the Lich Hand goes down some stairs through a hole in the ground, and he's ready to knock Finn into this pit. But suddenly Sweet Pea appears, and uh, the Lich is talking to Sweet Pea, and we think that maybe Sweet Pea is going to be possessed, sided with the Lich, but no. uses rattleball sword to stab the Hand, which bursts into clouds of evil Lich face we've seen, and uh, carries and uh, Finn in a... Uh, and Sweepy make their way back to Fern, who Sweepy was able to knock out, so he could go save Finn. Uh, and as Finn and Sweepy are walking ahead, Fern is questioning himself, saying, "You know, no matter how hard I try, I'm always going to be in Finn's shadow unless I could become the only Finn." And that's a, a nice little uh oh ending to take us into what's going to be the season nine finale. What did you think of this episode, Brad?
1: Uh, I liked it. I mean, it's really The first part of a two-parter with the next episode we're going to talk about, uh, the finale of of season nine. So I'm I'm just going to read off my notes because they're a little bit scattered and I don't know how to make them cohesive. But I I thought a lot of different, very scattered things about this episode. But first, a question, you guys. Did either of you notice in the opening scene when Finn and Fern are talking to each other that in the background, on the tree branch behind them were two skeletons, one of whom is tied up and the other one looks like he's the one who tied them up? Did you notice that? I did not.
2: No, I didn't.
1: It's super dark, and I didn't know. I kept trying, I'm like, rattling, rattling. I'm, I'm really, like, thinking about it. What what are these? What, what are they even trying to show here? And I couldn't think of it, and I couldn't think of any characters that it might have been in the past. So it's just one of those, like, creepy background things that you don't That We saw a lot in early seasons and see less now, but it's a nice little throwback. Yeah. Um, speaking of throwback, I think Mr. Fox was holding Chick-fil-A bags, which was kind of a weird thing or like knockoff chick-fil-a bags uh plastic bags um and also i think so justin i think your your theory of um we talked about this i don't know if it was the last episode or two or three episodes ago about the lich um and sweet oh it must have been the last episode because it was the end of elements how sweet pea just grows his horn back instead of becoming the lich again and it seems like this episode confirms i think it was what justin said which was that um that's, you know, he calls Sweet Pea a vessel so that the Lich wasn't Sweet Pea is not the original Lich. He was just uh, he seems to be just another conduit for the Lich to do evil things um, based on what the Lich said here, which I thought was cool. I thought Sweet Pea's I liked his little comeback story. Uh, I thought that was cool. I, I was a little bit as a, you know, um, adopted New Yorker. I was a little bit hurt when Finn went into the subway station and said it was an awful place or asked, what is this awful place? Especially since, because of coronavirus, I, I quite miss riding the subway. Um, and I'm, and I think it's a bit of a plot hole because he's been down there before. He fought the Lich down there the first time. Um, he didn't seem to remember doing that, which is a little weird. But then we also have some like really cool foreshadowing for the finale, where Lich calls himself the last Scholar of Gold, which not just doesn't just foreshadow Gold as like this other crazy thing, but that Gold is a bigger deal than the Lich, which is cool. And I love the ending where Finn. <laughs> So, Fern, uh, Kevin, you mentioned it, and Fern's like, oh, I'm going to be the only Finn, but he was thinking some of it in his head, and then at the end, he says, the only Finn, and Finn, like, calls out this <laughs> stupid trope, and is like, that's weird for you to call me that out loud, but yeah, uh, which is very funny. And then I liked what I assume is a Kids in the Hall reference, where uh, Fern uses his fingers close to his eyes to squish Finn's head um, in his mind, which I, I thought was cool. What did you think, Justin? Uh,
0: yeah, I, I really thought... Um that the, 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 the parallel stories between what Sweet Pea was going through and what Fern was going through was really interesting and sort of instructive on how we uh, handle our own dark impulses and, and dark sides. And I think the difference between Sweet Pea and Fern is identity, is that Fern doesn't feel strongly in his identity. Even Fern, his, his name... It, and everything that he does is just an extension of what Finn has done. It's either a copy or a rejection of something that he's done to do it a different way. He doesn't, I don't think he feels like a, like a complete person and he certainly doesn't trust his own instincts. Whereas Sweet Pea having grown up with, a, with an incredibly loving family um, and told what a, what a, you know, what a good boy is and, um and, growing up around Finn and, and seeing people like that, that he's been positively influenced. So when it came time to confront the Lich, he was more than ready and, and more than willing to fight for. That was the thing he most wanted to drive home, that you you may be an, an evil presence, but I'm Sweet Pete. I'm not you. And that was very important to Sweet Pete. Um, whereas Fern doesn't really have that to fall back on. And his way of dealing with that is, Oh, I'll have an identity once I get rid of this guy or or worse. I'll just take his identity and then I'll, then I'll just be really good at his identity. Um, so Fern continues to be a really complex, sad character. Um, and uh, I, I thought this was a really um, good episode to illustrate that. I really liked uh, Jake getting the, the voicemail of everything that had happened as well and just being baffled as he woke up. Um, lots of lots of fun little stuff. Um, that, that made it really interesting. But specifically, that, that the, the, uh, those two characters and what they were going through makes it a memorable episode to me.
1: Yeah, and, and Jake's I... Jake's reaction I, to the voicemail
0: was amazing.
1: Yeah, he's like, what?
2: What? He just wakes up the next day. I, I, I don't, again, I don't know what happens in seasons, and I haven't seen it, but I do like that the, um, the Sweet Pea thing kind of defied expectations, because to me it was like, here's this Lich powder keg, that's just going to explode at some point, and it's just waiting there. Uh, and then it kind of does here, but then Sweepy is able to combat it and come back itself for just so – because it was so – it defied my expectations.
1: I appreciated that as well. Um, should I – something want wanted to ask you guys. Oh, do do any of you – well, I guess maybe we can talk about it in the next episode, but I might as well get into it here because 3 Buck is sort of a, just an extension of this. But have, any, have either of you watched the show Dark? No, no, but a podcast I was listening to is really – putting it over.
0: Justin, have you seen it? My wife has, but I have not.
2: Oh, it's so good. It made but, me
1: really want to watch it, that podcast I listened to. Um, I mean, I agree with the podcast. I think it's like the best sci-fi show in years. She wants me to watch it because she found it incredibly confusing. It's it's a little confusing. It, it ties up very nicely at the end. It has a big... It has a lot of Lost vibes to it, too, which is nice. But um, it's very German. It's very dark. Anyway, there's, there's one character in it that just bad things keep happening to him and then he does some bad things but bad things like keep happening to him his name's ulrich in the show and fern reminds me a lot of ulrich from dark so if any of our audiences seen dark it's like there, there's a there's some there's parallels between fern and ulrich where you know they think they're doing the right thing and every time they do what they think is right it just lands them in deeper and deeper anyway let's talk about how fern gets
2: in deeper in three buckets well, I like that your commentary on dark is that it's dark. Oh, it's super dark. All right. So three buckets, the season nine finale. Uh, Jake and Beemo are off into town buying Jake a new Vuvuzela. Uh, and Fern is now able to make himself look identical to Finn at this point. We saw him kind of tinkering with that at the end of our previous episode, but now he's able to full blown do it. And he uses this to even trick Jake and Bemo as they're leaving. And Fern decides, hey, Finn, I found these secret ruins. Let's go look at it, just the two of us. Not uh, scary at all, Uh, not suspicious at all. Fern uses uh, a magic key to get them inside of a cliff where there's this temple. And Finn tells Fern while they're inside the temple that I'm really happy that you share the same sense of adventure that I have. And it feels like we're brothers. And Fern totally ignores that statement. That kind of hurts Finn a little bit. And Fern ends up locking Finn inside the main room of the temple and tells Finn that it's Fern's turn and that he thinks he's going to be a great Finn. And as Finn is trapped inside wondering what's, what's to do, he discovers there's a speaker on his arm, which includes a video message from Princess Bubblegum telling him that I installed a new arm and some features on it when back when Susan had knocked him out and he was in the hospital. And he is looking through the features on his arm and he uses uh, a drill to escape the temple and then blindsides Fern with a weed whacker attack. And Fern's eyes go all crazy. Uh, They begin to fight and he begins to fight Finn with a grass sword. And Finn's robot arm malfunctions. It's not working right anymore. And as Fern is uh, on top of him... Finn is trying to convince Fern that they can both go live back at the house, put this behind us, and the fight doesn't have to have any finality to it. Well, the robot arm hears finality and hears it as fatality, and the arm kicks back up again into a weed whacker, digging into the inside of Fern's stomach and making him explode. And so Finn returns to the treehouse. He's all sad about what happened. He's consoled by Jake and Bemo, and the episode ends with a stranger collecting the remains of Fern into a bucket and walking off. And that's our, that's how season nine ends. Obviously you guys know more than I do, but I'm, I'm definitely intrigued by that ending. What did you make of this, uh, this episode and the, the finale is season nine, Justin. Uh,
0: so, okay. So first of all, I've, I've already forgotten what, what of adventure time have you, is this it from what you've seen?
2: Yeah. So I had seen, I think all, uh, everything up to season eight. Or not up to, but like up to and including – so up to season nine. I had seen all of season eight as well.
0: Okay. All right. So was this your first go-through on this episode? Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Interesting. Um, so do you have an instinct on – I mean I don't know if you know, but do you have an instinct on who that is?
2: Well, I got some real um, Martin Merton's vibes from him. Um, the color, though, kind of throws me off of them being purple, but that, that was my kind of impression – I had of of them as they picked up it, but that's kind of it.
0: Oh, gotcha. Okay, so I would. Th- that's interesting, just because uh, I-, I wasn't sure how um, obvious it was. Because there, there's enough there, but you'd have to be like, uh, your head would have to be in the whole Adventure Time Lord bucket to to um, figure it out. But um, it was. Um, but it, regardless, the episode itself I thought was was really really good, and I loved. Um, <laughs> Finn going through uh, this uh, feeling of being trapped and like rolling his shirt, just doing very odd things uh, as, as he was dealing with this uh, being trapped. And again, Finn is saved by his relationship with others. The fact that uh, someone went to the top. Man, did I love uh, a Bubblegum's very brief moment where she does the talking hand and she's immediately embarrassed by this sort of weak attempt at comedy. Uh, That's like the most adorable thing I've ever seen Bubblegum do on the show. Um, But it was it was neat. And it was it was interesting that they showed you straight away some of the settings he had had on there. And um, it was just um, it was it was really good and accomplished a lot. And and the, the last line was was funny. But the way they drew Finn was still like as as much as you might laugh for a second you you're immediately somber again because you see how how much this affects him um so yeah i thought it was i thought it was great i was uh, honestly i was kind of relieved that um fern was like being collected the way it was because i thought man if that's the end of that story finn is in is in, in like a permanent dark place like there's no like i don't know how you come back from that with any sort of joy left what he had to do that would not have been fun um so uh but yeah i, I like the episode overall what do you think brad
1: um just to immediately piggyback off of what you're talking about i really like the way that finn reacted to supposedly killing fern because it was very similar to the way he reacted to his the finn sword getting damaged but obviously turned up to 11 because he thinks he killed the person that he had a relationship with um i thought this was almost a perfectly constructed episode of Adventure Time. Um, like, well, yeah, the bubblegum thing was really cute. Her reaction was very humanizing. But I did find the arm being having all these gadgets to be, I, I wrote in my notes, it's a, do a mechanical arm. Right? It just, like, really comes out of nowhere to to resolve hit the problem. Um, the way that you framed it, Justin, is helpful, but I, I just felt like could we have gotten like a little hint that she had done something like this before? Um, but besides that, you had um, big stakes. You had a big fight. You had a mysterious ending with a new character to lead into the next episode. And it was a cliffhanger for two months. So I really liked all of that. I, it, and, and even just the way you had Finn being so trusting of Fern before. Uh, the little sight gags like Neptur getting so excited that he thought he might be able to go on a... <laughs> on a mission he's like, oh my glob i can't believe it and then just the casual casting him aside and then the funny twist that neptor i mean that neptor that fern actually really likes neptor he's a i'm a neptor guy, guy. <laughs> it's really funny <laughs> i like it a lot because it reminded me of a of a line of the office where and it's almost the exact same delivery and almost the exact same words where ryan in the office is like i'm a nader guy
0: and i'm <laughs> a Neptune yeah. guy
1: sounds very similar <laughs> um i love that i said this earlier this is a tom herpich episode it really looks like a tom herpich episode the characters especially finn and fern they're very expressive much more so than in other episodes this was a i I like that he also did egress and this was kind of similar to egress where finn gets trapped in a cave because well for a different reason obviously but um i like that a lot um i okay Vuvuzelas are the worst thing in the world. So I appreciate (laughs) that the episode treated them like they're the worst thing in the world. I used to be a camp director and uh, it was a camp of 800 campers and 200 counselors. And every day uh, it was a day camp in like far outside of New York City. And we would bus the kids to and from this campsite. And every day near the end of the day, all the kids would gather on this big lawn in their little groups. uh, And I would do announcements before they got on the bus. And it was I was always it's, you know, it's it's global warming. We're all dying and it's a billion degrees outside and I'm tired by the end of the day and I'm trying to make the announcements. And one of the counselors comes up next to the microphone one day and blows a Vuvuzela into the microphone. And I lost my temper in front of a thousand people and just ignored everything that's going on and just yelled at him next to, like, not into the microphone, but next to the microphone, and he went and complained to the owner of the camp that I was too mean to him and I humiliated him, and I still don't feel bad about it because the Vuvuzela is the worst thing that's ever happened. That was in 2010, and I still feel okay about that. Um, that's all I have to say. This, this episode's fantastic. What would you think, Kevin?
2: Yeah, lots of fun. I thought it was a, it, I guess because we were talking about how – Some of the other seasons may or may not have been like finales or whatnot. I guess the way season eight ended felt like a finale, but seven definitely didn't. And this really did feel like a big enough episode to end a season proper and leave you that nice little cliffhanger going into season 10. I also cannot describe to you how funny I found Finn blindsiding Fern as Fern is just happily walking with the flowers after he escapes from the temple. you dunked up. (laughs) <laughs> just rewinding it several different times i'm glad you reminded me of i'm a Neptar guy because that gave me a good hearty laugh too i wonder if they bonded when the Ooh went to went to heck and they were candy folks back in the house i wonder why that's he said he's such a neptar guy uh but shouldn't he be a shelby guy i mean he's the best right
1: shelby's i think a little bit too highbrow for for uh for fern. for fern Fair enough. Yeah. Well, we I know Finn it. doesn't really like Shelby, so it would stand reason that Fern doesn't like Shelby.
2: <laughs> Check please. Uh, yeah, Vizela's are terrible. Uh, don't really have much else to say. I thought that was, but you're, but you're right. I did think that the, um, the arm thing was a little bit sort of like a, a Deus Ex Machina, like because we didn't really see much of it or wouldn't have guessed it. So it was just like, how is Finn gonna get out of this one? I guess we'll do this. So I, I, I understand your point with that, but I did like it. Look. Snails? I'll do snails while you're dying. Uh, in Abstract, the snail's on one of the staircases in one of the houses in Jake's dream, like right at the very beginning. In Ketchup, it's on the floor of Marceline's apartment after Bimo tells his island's story. In Fiona and Cake and Fiona, it's inside the coffin when Fiona and Cake discover that the mummy is the Queen of Ooh, Whispers, he's in the tree above the stairs as the that the lich hand crawls down to get into the subway. And in Three Buckets, it's on the ground when Finn and Ferd enter the temple. Via the pole that they slid down to get in. And that's the final snails for season nine.
1: I did not notice any of them this week.
2: Very exciting.
1: They were toughies. Yeah. There's a lot of cameos this week. Uh, Andy Merrill returned as Every James. John Worcester returned as Bryce and also The Wall of Water. And John Worcester's friend Tom Sharpling returned as Jermaine. Um, Lauren Lapkus returned as The Blue Tranch also known as patience and she was also ted the cat and jg j J G quintel was the blue jay slash mordecai madeline martin was back as fiona Roz ryan was back as cake chelsea peretti made her debut as the queen of Ooh, and charlotte newhouse did the same as the fake fiona uh hayden as returned as fern ethan marr returned as sweet pea and ron perlman returned as the lich and Andy Milonakis, of course, was NEPTUR, and Fred Melamed debuted as a mysterious stranger to close out Season 9. Justin, tell us about your
0: life. Well, I do have a pretty important announcement to make, and that's that I won a game of Fall Guys. And then I immediately won a second game of Fall Guys. So I got that going for me. I'm also on Twitter at Justin J. Houston. that's, that, that's it. Kevin, what do you do? Say hello to the Fall Guys. I'm sorry.
2: I don't know why I needed to do that. Uh, but if you like hearing my voice on podcasts, go listen to my Breaking Bad podcast, Better Call Saul, season one episode out now. And you can also listen to my Lost podcast and Veronica Mars podcast elsewhere on this website. They're totally done. So go listen to all those archives and all the older episodes of of the Pig as we prepare to tackle the final season of the show. Brad?
1: I just Googled Fall Guys. Looks fun. Uh, 7.0 rating on steam
0: yeah Uh, it's better than the rating suggests they got review bombed because the game didn't work so that's fair
1: okay um
0: (laughs) i uh speaking of finished
1: podcasts i did one called too old to date uh so check that out and i'm on twitter at garoon gate although i deleted twitter off of my telephone so i don't tweet quite as much anymore but you know every once in a while i I, every once in a while there's a you realize that kamala the ugandan giant's last name was harris so he is also was also rest in peace kamala harris just the weirdest thing in the world and good luck to kamala harris i'm politicizing this this podcast but good luck to her in the coming election and thank you for flooping the pig
0: i floop the pig